Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Campionato di calcio italiano Hello everybody and welcome along to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. I say the latest, um, it's what could be the last Forza Italian Football Podcast for quite some time. I'm in quarantine, guys. Uh, I am Connor Clancy, back as host as usual. Kev Pogzelski is here with me. Kev, hello. Hi, Connor. How are you? How are you enjoying the uh, solitary? It's weird. It's very weird. I'm starting to crack up a little bit. I think I might have to go for a, a little walk after this. Um, you allowed? To get to, I am, as long as there's not people about and I'm not like coughing on them, it's okay. I might have to explain myself to someone if, if I'm seen, though. Also, here is Vito Doria. Vito, hello. Hello, Connor. Any news yes. down in the southern hemisphere? No, um, just been a bit quiet down my way, to be honest. Uh, hearing a lot of news about where you're based, more or less, or the region above you, anyway. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time here at the moment. Nobody really knows what's happening, um, but everyone pretends that they're an expert on the subject, which <laughs> only leads to the the miscommunication, the misinformation, and subsequently spreads the panic. Which I'm sure we will unfortunately end up getting into at some point and I, I would rather we didn't but let's just see where it goes we are speaking of course about Italian football this evening as always Juventus Inter has just finished the second derby d'Italia of the season a week after it was supposed to happen but no real surprise in the outcome Kev Juve flexed their muscles and they won 2-0 yeah I think I probably expected Juve to win because there were no, you know, well, partly because because Juventus were at home, but also with the the lack of fans in the stadium. And after watching um, some of the earlier games today that were played at almost a, a practice match pace, um, I think Juve did as well to sort of play the conditions as they did to play Inter. 
you know, right from the start, there was a there was a, a level of intensity that you just didn't get in the other games. Um, and and Inter, for large portions of the game, were almost just trying to stop them. What did you put that down to? Because I watched, what game was it earlier that I covered? Parma against, um, oh, Parma against Spal. And yeah, the intensity, was, it was quite obvious that it wasn't a normal game. So why were Juve and Inter able to, to, to play this as if it was a normal situation? Dare I say, the, the, the experience and the quality of the players, you know, I mean, they, when you've got that mental ability to play at the top, top level, you know, we're talking top table of European football, you have less bad days than good because you're so focused and Juventus certainly have had two weeks to, to really, really get their, their eye on this game. And whatever they've done this week, whether that be Sarri, the other coaching staff, the players just keeping on top of each other, um, they've stayed amazingly focused to go out at the pace they did. I thought coming into this game, actually, that Inter might take some advantage, Vito, given the fact that they played against Ludogorets in similar situations, but or in a similar situation. But it wasn't to be. They they did have a couple of bright spells in the first half, but Juve kind of always looked like they were the better team with with the more depth. That was that, and also just the way Inter were playing. I thought that in terms of the construction of play, they would be all right until they got to the final third. Then. Juve, with the usually resolute defending, would uh, come up with enough uh, obstacles to block off their paths. And uh, I found that quite a few times uh, Inter had to switch the ball to the right side of where Candreva was to either put in a cross or a pass or even, pardon me, take one of those long bombs that he usually goes for and then they just go wide or high so yeah I think once they got towards the Juve penalty area Inter were really lacking that goal and you know it was pretty surprising that it took Antonio Conte longer than usual to put Christian Eriksen on the pitch. Yeah it did take a while didn't it and it was I don't know Inter were just a little bit strange today because there were what three occasions in the first half where they seemed to just not bother competing for headers in their own box. The Ligt had two chances. I mean, I think it was Bonucci with the other. Um, but Kev, Inter just never really kind of woke up properly in this. No, they were extremely passive and nearly set me to sleep at one stage. I wonder whether Conte had actually a tactic to try and make the Juve players fall into <laughs> fall asleep and then sort of just at the other end. It was... It was very, very strange. I don't, I don't know if he expected Juve to, to go as intense as they did at times and thought it was going to be more, um, I suppose, chess-like for a bit of a cliche there. But, yeah, they just didn't look up for it what, you know, whatsoever. And maybe that is because when you alluded to the, the fact that they've played some games behind closed doors, They've been against subpar opposition, really, and maybe that was the mentality they, they they had. Who's that down to? Because we've discussed mentality around Inter so many times since I've been hosting this podcast, which is what the guts of three years, and it had been discussed many times before I ever took the hot seat. And it 
is it something that's just ingrained with the club? Antonio Conte is like the opposite of someone you would associate with a team whose mentality is questioned. But Kev, you've questioned it there. Who's to blame? Well, I think we all know because we've seen it with Conte, what sort of type of mentality he has. And, you know, you, you, you look at what he did at Juve when he, went, when he went in there, but you've got to look at the players that he also already had there. And he had some very strong characters like Buffon, like Chiellini. It's, so I, I don't know if he's got as many um, at Inter at the moment. And maybe that's, that's something that he'll probably be looking to address, particularly after this game. Um, you know, let's look at somebody I've just brought in as Ericsson. A superbly talented player, but he didn't exactly show a lot in the way of uh, mental strength for his last few months at Tottenham when you were probably looking for him to dig in, even if he was looking to leave. Clearly, that was not the case and why two coaches um, were leaving him out of side a lot. What do we think this says with regards to the title race, Vito, if, if a title race is allowed to unfold? Are Inter... I don't want to say out of it, but very, very much on the back foot now. Certainly. This is the type of fixture they needed to win if they were going to win uh, an away game and also be a contender for the title this season. But they've lost to Juventus in both Serie A games this season. And uh, you can say that for the remaining 12 or 13 games they have to play... They're going to need to be very consistent and hope that Lazio and Juventus slip up at some stage. And that being said, I generally haven't been overly impressed with Inter's performances in the second half of the year. And although we can pin some issues on Antonio Conte trying to fit Christian Eriksen into this side... I think uh, that's only just part of the problem. I think collectively there are still some fine pieces of tuning that they need to do. And also with the midfield, I think they played the best football when Sensi, Barella and Brozovic are fit. Uh, once one of them goes out, there's a bit of a weakness. And Matthias uh, Vecino, he's good when he can score the odd goal, but uh, when he's not scoring goals in big games, I don't think he's a particularly effective midfielder for the Nerazzurri. Daniele Padelli didn't play, but we've we've got to mention him. He managed to get himself sent off from his privileged position on the bench for for complaining about the referee, for, for voicing his discontent with something the referee had done. Bear in mind, this is in an empty stadium. There's not a lot of noise going on, so the referee and his little assistants can hear everything that's said. Daniele, you've got to you've got to take a look at yourself there. I'm afraid you've 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 cocked up big time, Kev. I know you you hate Daniela Pedelli, obviously. Have you any thoughts on this? No, I I, I think it's funny. I, I, it's like uh, if you're in a nightclub or at a wedding and the music goes off just to, <laughs> just you're about to shout something obscene to someone, <laughs> and uh, you know that's yeah that's not your fault. Whereas this very much is Pedelli's fault. But it's uh, yeah, if you're going to make yourself loud and heard in an empty stadium, is probably not the best place to do it. On a serious note, though, you had written about Samir Andanovic's importance to Inter while he was away and. He proved that in the first half. He made a few very, very good saves to keep them in the game. Yeah, and and even aside from the saves he made, again, that's the sort of mentality that you 
you want in the team, but it then when you're trying to get a handle on the the intensity of the outfield play, um, it's a bit bit difficult to do that from from uh, between the posts. Should we give it there some credit, Vito? Because I know I've questioned their mentality over the last few weeks. You touched on it there. But they've only lost three Serie A games this season, two against Juve and one against Lazio, which shows that they are doing the business against everybody else. They certainly have been rather consistent this season and you know they, ha- they are looking better than what they were under Luciano Spalletti. Uh, there is a bit more fight and a bit more organisation to the play, but uh, I think it's a case of when they have the best starting eleven, things will fall into place and they will get the desired results. But yeah, ultimately, when you are challenging for the title, it goes back to that old saying, to be the best, you have to beat the best. And in this case, they've lost to the two teams that are the challenges for the title. And at this stage... Um, Inter have not been able to fight off the biggest challenges and Lazio and Juve have shown why they're still in the hunt, whether it be through playing much better football in the case of Lazio, who have been, you know, greater than the sum of their parts and playing some fine football as well as, you know, getting those late goals when they haven't played well. And then, of course, Juve, as we all know, have won the last eight titles. They've got superior depth all around. So those are a few things that, you know, go against the Inter. Oh, yeah, if I was going to give Inter any credit, I think it's in the context of of, of every team that's played this weekend. If you look if you look at the this, this match week as sort of in the two halves of last week, when we had some sort of phenomenal high-paced games, there was no disruption to the sides. You know, all of these teams that have played this week, and again, this is almost more positivity towards Ju- Juve, they've had the disruption. They've had the uncertainty of what was going to happen. Probably difficulties around the logistics of, of moving things around because of the uh, the virus um, outbreak. So if there's any positives towards Inter, it's just how difficult really this week has probably been or two weeks to prepare for this game. You know, let's face it, they probably thought that this game was going to be played later in the season as well. And then suddenly everything got shifted back. It's been extremely difficult for the sides that have played this weekend. Yeah, it hasn't been ideal for, for anybody, really. Did you know that I now apparently hate Inter? I did see that, yes. Well, you know, this, you can add it this, to the list. Yeah, it came as news to me because I already hate Juve, apparently, Milan, I think Lazio as well, and Fiorentina. So Surely... Surely Brescia as well. Yeah, I, I think I do. I, I'll have to ask a Brescia fan if I hate them or not. I don't know. It's it's really hard to keep up with all of this. But yeah, Inter are now added to that list. So we should stop talking about them, guys. We need to we need to talk about Juve because at the end of the day, they won their top of the league. And Vito, it was probably their best performance under Maurizio Sarri. They moved the ball much faster than they usually did. And... Uh... Certainly, the passing in tight areas was much better than what I've seen in other matches under Sarri. Uh, One of the things that I think has made a difference is that Rodrigo Bentanco is playing in that register role right in the middle of the midfield trio. I think he knows how to sort of keep it simple and, you know, 
you'll pass the ball wherever it's uh, uh, right when it's necessary. And on uh, Bentancur, do you think yeah. he's he's proven tonight that he should be taking that position off Miralem Pjanic's hands? Certainly. And speaking of Pjanic, when I see him in this deep line playmaker role, reminds me of last season when Carlo Ancelotti tried to play Marikamsic as a deep line playmaker. I think they have the technical ability and all that, but they haven't got the right defensive game to really operate in that role. And uh, a guy like Pjanic, I think he's best when he's playing a bit further afield and he's got to go more vertically with his passes or diagonally. Someone like Ben Tuncor, he will sort of slow things down. If he's got to, you know, go sideways or backwards, he will. I think with him, uh, the priority is just to make sure that Juve keeps the ball circulating, they maintain possession. And then when it's the time to play a diagonal ball or a vertical one, uh, he'll do it. And then, of course, defensively, Ben Tunko is a much better player than Pjanic. So I think uh, in the long run, Ben Tunko's got to start right in the middle there. And uh, if Pjanic is to play later on, uh, I think he needs to play you know, alongside uh, Ben Tunko on either the left side of that trio or, or even if they go for 4-3-1-2, even use Pjanic in that trequatista role because he does have those characteristics. We, I think we've seen today and against Spal that Aaron Ramsey is finding his feet. I don't know if that's fair to say, or else he's just benefiting from getting on the end of chances. But he's absolutely the Juve player who looks the most likely to score from midfield. And Kev, he's finding his, his form or his goal-scoring touch at the most perfect time of the season imaginable. Oh, yeah, perfect time to to give Juve a little bit more of a goal-scoring threat going forward. But um, I don't know, he was a bit underrated, if you like, in, in, in England, I think because he does tend to go missing or maybe sides struggle to find where they want to play him. I think if Juve have now and they proceed with with this, then they will get some goals out of him. Um, I, I, you know, the whole, the whole Juve midfield... The memory of the Leon game uh, midweek, a couple of midweeks ago, is still too fresh in the mind. They were terrible, and I think when we're looking beyond Syria, um, they they've got a bit of work there to work out which pegs they want to put in which holes. Because um, yeah, tonight was great, but um, they're probably looking beyond Syria, um, <laughs> particularly if it shuts down. And I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know how then that affects uh, Champions League because even if they fulfil their Champions League commitments, I, I imagine as a player you don't want to be going into those games with no domestic football behind you because you just be a bit, you lose that match sharpness. It's not ideal, is it? Let's talk about that before we move on to the rest of the fixtures because, uh, well, we saw it in Parma this morning, right? Parma spell was due to kick off at twelve thirty. At 12.28, everything was fine. Uh, 12.28 and 30 seconds, there were signs that things weren't quite right because Andrea Batania just started shouting at everyone and looking particularly angry, which isn't a sight that anybody wants to see, really. 
And then at 12.29, one minute before kickoff with the players in the tunnel ready to walk out and the substitutes already having taken their places on the bench, the players were, were ordered to return to their dressing rooms, basically because Italy's minister for, for sport posted on Facebook saying that he was in agreement with the Italian Players Association representative who said that the, the players' health shouldn't be risked and that they, they weren't too happy about games going ahead given the, the coronavirus is going around and is so contagious and there's a one-metre safe distance um, required everywhere. And then we were told it was a 30-minute delay. Then there was another 15-minute delay. And then eventually the game got rescheduled for quarter to two. Kicked off, went ahead, no problems. But during the game, uh, a press release was leaked from the Italian Players Association, which said that a strike was being called for Sunday the 8th of March and Monday the 9th of March. Sunday the 8th of March being today while the games were being played while Milan, Sampdoria Genoa and Verona were all walking out onto the pitches for their respective games they, the association then came out a few minutes later and said oh this was a leak it wasn't published it was just a draft but it does look like there are crisis talks set to take place on Tuesday and Kev it's looking like the Serie A season could well be suspended until further notice, the 3rd of April at the earliest, probably. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, I must admit, I wasn't too displeased that Palmer was delayed because I had to go and get some bread, so I came back and I hadn't missed the start. But, you know, it wasn't for me. So, um, I, I, I just sit here and, you know, coming living here in the UK and seeing what we're kind of going going through which is largely unaffected I must admit I was at Anfield uh, Saturday and I've never seen so many men washing their hands after going to the toilet at half time um, there's clearly concerns in the fan base uh, in, in certain places but there, there are other there are other countries on mainland uh, Europe that have had um, not an outbreak what are we going to call it uh, reports of coronavirus and They've dealt with it so much better. I know there's obviously been a higher rate of uh, of cases, but why has that happened? Have they dealt with it better, or have well, they just not no. dealt with it? Well, but, but if, I don't understand the the level of you know because we kind of regard it as scaremongering here. All the you know, so I saw a tweet just before we came on air about someone saying when the government decides to shut down things like the London Underground, um, you know, lots of other things that have far more. Uh, of the general public passing through them, that's when the time is to start um, cancelling football matches. Uh, have the metros been shut down in Milan? You know, no, I know there's been knowledge. restrictions to public transport. Yeah, it just well, seems. Yeah, at the moment, the, there are a load of places on. I, I don't want to say lockdown because that implies you can't leave your house, but cities are basically being having their gates locked. Right. So I, for example, can't leave Parma now. Milan, been, in Germany, huh? There's been cases in Germany, but the Bundesliga is still right. But on. what what's happened here is there was a game cancelled in France. PSG against Strasbourg was was postponed on Saturday. But what's happened in Italy is the Italian government were doing tests long before everyone else was, so the number of cases was always 
at a head start. So it's it's always been that little bit higher. There are cases everywhere. They're just not doing tests to confirm that those cases exist. And as far as the media reports go, an unconfirmed case means no case. So the figures you're seeing from Italy appear to be quite worryingly high, but I don't think they're too dissimilar from from what the real figures are in other countries. They're just, they just haven't done the cases or the tests to back that up, rather. But they've been doing tests here for at airports for the guts of three weeks now. So the, the figures do differ from what the reality is. But I think, to their credit, aside from the football aspect of it, they've, they've actually dealt with it quite well here. I know that it's been a bit of a circus with the football, but look, it's Italy. There's always going to be that element of things. But I think taking the responsibility to say, okay, cinemas are closed, um, football matches can't have fans, I think that's a really responsible step to take. And I think you will see in two weeks' time, the figures in the United Kingdom will be what Italy are reporting now. In two weeks' time, the Premier League will be playing games behind closed doors like Italy are now. And maybe... In two weeks' time, the Premier League will be considering cancelling games. I think one of the big differences is the the whole television rights around the Premier League, right? Because they're, they're so, so high. And part of how they sell their brand is by saying, we've got full stadiums every week. We've got a great product. If they are to close doors, that severely damages them. Whereas Italian football has never been sold on the premise that stadiums are full because... Stadiums are very rarely full. And even when they're 90% full, they look empty because of the parts of the stadiums that are empty or the parts that are on TV. And I'm not so sure I agree with you that that things have been managed poorly here for a change. If we move, again, I'm trying not to, you know, I'm not a medical practitioner, never likely to be. I don't want to move too far away from the football. But if we do, if we do ignore the football for a moment, you know, I work in a, in a, in a university throughout the week. And, uh, you know, we've got thousands and thousands of staff and students and, and then, you know, we've got many institutions across the UK. The, the message uh, appears to be how um, how small the, 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 the threat to your life is if unless you have got, you know, pre-existing problems or respiratory problems or you're of a certain age. There seems to be a bigger focus on that than, you know, how many cases are outbreaking. It's almost a, uh, don't not to, they're not sort of playing it down but they're trying to sort of put it into context of other diseases that have come out and, and look at it from that element first. I take that, but the the mortality rate is quite low for people under the age of, I think it's 70 or 65 or something. But for people outside of that bracket, it's, it's quite high. And I, I think there is an obligation on those in power to protect the most vulnerable in society which in this case is elderly people and people with respiratory problems. So it's not really a case of telling old people and people with sicknesses to stay home because it it might not be possible, but they might have families who go to the football and carry this, this virus without realizing it because most people who carry it don't show any symptoms. But that's the family members. That's part of the family members duty as well. Um, right. But say, for example, you go to a football game at Anfield and the, the guy you're sitting beside coughs, he gets on you and then and then you go speak to Stacy and then Stacy goes home to to her parents. Well, Stacy, 
for listeners out there that don't know my wife's name, Stacey. <laughs> yeah. So she 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 suffers from something that has a low immune system. So they have had the notifications, and, and somebody who works with me have had the notifications to stay away from you know areas if you know you think you're affected, blah blah blah. Or speak to the hospital. That's the sort of thing that's kind of going on in the background, and I think that's that level of communication to people to make that decision themselves rather than just completely. Because I think that's where some of the, if there is any anger over there, it sounds as though a lot of Italians are dealing with it quite quite well. But if there's any anger as to the disruption to their routine, whether that be their working life or what they do socially, comes from when people are telling you to do things as opposed to um, giving you uh, ownership over what you're choosing to do. I think, you know, you need to shut certain things. You know, if the cinema's not open, you can't go. But when they're telling you not to leave your house, not to travel, to go and see your, your family or whoever, or not chop up on a train for two hours, you know, again, if the trains aren't running, you can't do anything about that. Mm. I'm conscious that Vito's been looking at us for a long time now, so maybe he should join the discussion a little bit. <laughs> I was just about to say, Vito, have you got any thoughts on the whole situation? Because it is quite bizarre now because bars are still open with the understanding that there is a limit on the number of people who can enter them and there has to be a, a safe space up one meter maintained between those people at all times, which is quite amusing. But anyway, on the football side of Avito, what do you think about how it's being dealt with? I think it's been a shambolic uh, set of circumstances, especially from the Lega Serie A. Uh, the indecisiveness has been the most disappointing bit about it. When you consider that there's the possibility of uh, Euro 2020 being cancelled and all that, um, it might allow the Serie A fixtures and other fixtures to be rescheduled and so forth. But if uh, Euro 2020 goes ahead, I think they're going to have a lot of problems trying to recram, trying to cram in all these remaining fixtures. And not only that, you hear one minute that certain games are going to be played. Then the next minute, you hear they're going to be played on another day. And then, came to the point with the Parma Spal delay. Oh, if we weren't going to do this podcast and uh, there was no, there were no games being played, I was very tempted to do a video of uh, Vito events on my <laughs> personal Instagram account because it's just... Just a great example of the incompetence of the Italian bureaucracy and the hierarchy. It's it's like uh, it's really a case of people are only there because who they know, not what they know. And it's a very ageist scenario. It's like it's an old boys club. Uh, they're only there for their own interests and so forth. And they can say it's all defamatory and all that jazz, blah blah blah. But they're just embarrassing Italy and themselves for not having any decisiveness and for not being able to handle this crisis situation well enough. This is a situation for cool and calm heads and for shrewd decision making, but we've seen neither of those. And uh, maybe a pause is what is needed just to, you know, stop playing any games until April 3, but um, I think it just makes it harder for the Italian national team leading up to the Euros. And then, of course, you know, what happens if your wafer has to step in and they got to put in their two cents and also take into consideration the Champions League fixtures too. So, uh, yeah, it's a big mess all around, especially from a footballing perspective. And I'm sure that the players, especially the imports, you know, coming from different countries, trying to adapt to life in Italy, 
I'm sure they're becoming frustrated with the situation in particular. I think with some of this, isn't there an element of you've got so many voices in the room and then, you know, you know, this isn't always just football, any industry where people are trying to sell, serve their own self-interest because, uh, you know, you, you might have a better view on this, kind of being in, in Italy, but it, it just shocked me a little bit that it, it kind of been to just get through uh, match week, what are we on, 26, that all the fixtures that were supposed to be played this week when weekend were shunted, mm. you know, and then suddenly we had the Derby d'Italia, which was supposed to be last week played this Sunday. It, you know, yeah, most other leagues, those games are just rearranged for later in the season, whether Juventus go out of the champions league and then you can squeeze that into a, a Wednesday evening or, you know, when they're not in a Coppa Italia, we're in this scenario where they just decided to play five games rather than get through another 10 this, this weekend. I, I haven't had this confirmed, right? But I'm of the opinion that that was very much taken with the idea of just restoring parity, trying to have teams having played a similar number of games as was possible, rather than getting to the situation where some teams had played 28 games or 27 games and some teams had played 25 games. Because this predicted pause now in the season has looked likely for the last week. And you don't want to go into that within the season, possibly needing cancelling completely with a title race that should be in the balance. But because Lazio, for example, have played two games more than Juve, Lazio are five points clear. You can't really afford to have that situation. So at first I thought it was a bit of a, a farce that Lazio Atalanta was cancelled. Um, because it was scheduled for the Saturday. Neither of them had other fixtures. I mean, it just make, made sense for that to be played this weekend. But no, I, I think the the postponement of this weekend's scheduled games made sense. But I'm not a fan of the whole pushing everything back by one week because that distorts people who have made plans to visit from abroad basically between now until the end of the season. So I don't speak to many people back home who like Italian football, right? But I already know three people who have had plans impacted by this, which is which is you, my dad, and my best mate from back in Ireland. All have made visits, all have scheduled visits to Italy for, for May with a specific or two specific Serie A games in mind, which which is crazy now that they're not going to happen on the scheduled dates, it, it seems anyway. We, we don't really know. But yeah, I, th- I think general consensus then that the Legacy area haven't handled things very well whatsoever, but I'm willing to give the the serious people, the Italian government, the pass because I think outside of football, this thing has been managed pretty well. But let's move on from that, shall we? We're not politicians. We're not medical professionals. Can we leave it? Well, uh, if we leave it, can we leave it on a lighter note? Go. So we were discussing whether... Uh, leagues across the world would get cancelled due to the coronavirus. And we came up with a scenario where you could play the remaining fixtures with the captains of either side playing out the fixture on, I don't know, a popular console game, whether that be... uh, (laughs) Who do you think would do best or worst? I I would instantly put up uh, your friend uh, Bruno Alves and our friend Fabio Quagliarella is the worst because at their age they probably have never played consoles. 
Yeah, I don't think Bruno Alves would know what a what a PlayStation. Would he just was. mash the con- con- controller? <laughs> He'd, he'd get Quags to throw it up in the air and he'd jump an ungodly height to head it into a, an empty space. But well, I don't know who's the youngest, probably more technically. The technically best. Well, when, in, yeah. when Bologna signed Musabaro, they presented him by having Ricardo Orsolini and another one of their young players sitting on a couch playing FIFA. And then Musa Barrow just popped up beside them. So I, I would give it to Barrow or Cellini or whoever the, the other person in that video was just because I have evidence that they play video games. So they could storm to the top of the championship. I'm not quite sure that would happen. But yeah, <laughs> oh, Bologna, give Bologna the Scudetto. Restore their former glories. But anyway, um, in the game that actually happened after that mess, Palma lost against Spal. Obviously, Kevin Andrea Patania scored, but you've spoken a lot, so I'll let Vito speak. And if the Euros goes ahead, Vito, I am still flying the flag for Big Andrea to be part of Bobby Mancini's squad. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, he's scored his 11th goal for the season and, uh, well, he's the clearly the most important goal scorer at Spal. Although it did come from a penalty, it seemed that in that second half, Spal probably were probably the more dangerous with their chances. Padua had the shared at uh, one stage. It was a pretty low shot count too. At one stage was something like, seven to four in Palmer's favor after about 65 minutes or so. But um, yeah, once they had that penalty, that's when things really opened up. Palmer looked a bit more dangerous, but I think Spal probably had their chances to make it 2-0. And going back to Patania specifically, uh, he does add that extra dimension to his game. 
and with uh, Torino being in a crisis situation and Andrea Bellotti, I don't think he scored since um, January. Uh, I think uh, Patania at this stage probably deserves to be the number two striker for Italy behind Ciro Immobile because all the other strikers, maybe Francesco Caputo from Sassuolo, I think he should have a look in as well. But other than that, the centre forward options for Italy at this stage don't look overly appealing. We're gaining weight. We're gaining weight on this bandwagon. We're picking up speed. We're starting to roll smoothly. But Parma were... Um, what's an adjective you'd use to describe Parma today, Kev? I'm thinking pedestrian. Well, yeah, I was... Yeah, that was more... Uh, I was going slow. But, you, you know, you really pulled out pedestrian there. Um, they yeah. were missing Kuchka, right? Because Kuchka lifts them. He elevates them with that non-stop energy and non-stop drive. And... I do think his absence was felt. Yeah, I know, yeah, we said it before as well. But and, and they had, you know, not only did they have an empty stadium to play, and they also had that delay, which which kind of helped them at all. Yeah. Um, the, probably the players just going through the motions for that reason alone. It's not, it's not ideal. Um, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be an excuse because these are professionals after all. But you can also get those sort of performances from Palmer. Less more now than you used to, uh, probably when they first were promoted. But they're going to be able to chalk it off. It's, you're going to be able to brush these results off so quickly if the league is now shut down for so long. Spal would have win, though. They're not bottom anymore. Brescia play on Monday evening at Sassuolo. Spal are currently seven points off safety. What do we think? Do we give them a chance? No. Don't know. Okay, right. Move swiftly on then. And before we go to the next games, I want to lighten the mood a little bit by talking about Benevento, right? Because Benevento are 20 points clear in Serie B. Yeah, 20 points clear. They're coming back to Serie A. It's fantastic. And they played Pescara this evening at the at, in Benevento. And, I mean, they're just such a, a beautiful club and team. They won in front of an empty stadium but that didn't stop them from doing their usual salute to the curva after the game there's a video that they tweeted on on twitter surprisingly enough if they tweeted it of the players hand in hand running towards the curva and doing a belly slide in front of it and it's just one of the most wholesome things you're going to see on twitter this weekend in that same game pescara's players took to the pitch wearing protective masks um which is a strange approach. The referee told them to, to take them off because they're not permitted to wear masks during football matches. Um, I just thought that was a little bit strange. But anyway, let's get back to Serie A. Because Genoa, they are continuing to rise and look solid and make that push for safety. They went to the Stadio San Siro and Vito, they beat Milan 2-1. Yeah, well, Milan had one job and they really stuffed that up. But putting that all aside, <laughs> putting that all aside, I think uh, Genoa's resurgence under Davide Nicola has been quite impressive. And uh, the far more organised and cohesive unit with him as the coach. Um, also, particularly Antonio Sanabria, uh, he was involved in uh, the goals. So 
I think although if he's not scoring, he's still a vital contributor to the attacking play now. And uh, the older, you know, the veteran, Goran Pandev, he popped up with the first goal. So I think that's a big... No, I think he got the second one. Uh, Kasata got, got the other goal. Pardon? He got the, he got the verse, first three Pandev times. opened the Oh, yeah. Pandev got the first. Yeah, Kasata got the second. But, yeah, good to have... Good for them, for Pandev, to spot his uh, aging body, to still contribute for them. I think his experience is vital in attack. And uh, actually, Kasat in midfield, he's probably been playing quite well in the last few weeks. And, yeah, I think he, you know, from a personal perspective, he deserved that goal too. So, yeah, it looks like uh, both uh, Ligurian sides could still stay up this season. And uh, just a quick touch on uh, Serie B again. Uh, Spezia, who are from the same region, uh, they are pushing for Serie A. And at one stage, they were looking for automatic promotion. So if Spezia go up, we could potentially see three teams from Ligurian 2020-2021. So that would be intriguing to see. It would be very impressive as well, given that Liguria is tiny and mostly mountains and sea resorts. It would be quite phenomenal for three teams from there to, to be in the top tier. But... Yeah, Serie B is mental. We might see three teams from the south come up as well with Crotone and Frozenone knocking about up there. And even Salernitana with with Big Ventura could make a a surprise playoff push and get yeah. get the big man back into Serie A. But no one wants <laughs> to see that, let's be honest. Uh, Milan then, Kev. It's going to be another summer of transitions. Vladimir Boban was sacked by the club. It looks like Ralph Ranić's going to come in in the summer as... I don't know what, sporting director and coach, it seems. Um, but this is what the 10th summer in a row that Milan are going to be rebuilding everything. I mean, it's not great, is it? No, it's a constant merry-go-round. Somebody go, go, gets off, another gets on. They go old. They bring a legend back in Ibrahimovic. They buy some players that the YouTube clips make them look brilliant and all the Milan fans get get overexcited, then they're subpar when they're on the pitch and they get very angry, they leave and then they buy some more. It's um, I, I don't see it changing. I, I really don't. They, they were woeful today. For all uh, his social media uh, posts, um, Theo Hernandez was at fault for the second goal, I think, just letting his man run. Um, and then, uh, now I can't think of the player that then also attempted to track him. But then, you know, both, both goals were pretty much carbon copies of each other. Uh, and low drilled in, tapped in from close range. They will continue to do this until, you know, maybe Ralph Ranić comes in and actually is given the the time and space to de- de- develop uh, a strategy, you know, off the pitch as much as anything else to, to recruit adequate players. Um, I obviously wrote a piece this week about what some clubs have done in other leagues to, well, and Lazio this year, we've, keeping a core group of players together and, and how that collective growth can obviously help you go up the league uh, and improve. Milan needs to give somebody the time to do that because they've had far too many coaches uh, over the last few years uh, and not had a, a clear idea of where they're going. We spoke about old strikers scoring goals in this game for clubs who play in Genoa. There was another Old striker who scored a couple of goals for a club who plays in Genoa. Kev, 
you know where I'm going with this one. You do? What's he on now? Ten? Nine. Just a nine. nine. Um, oh, okay. but, but remember, he's getting older with every week. The theory yes, is and, true. The and theory. we know who the coronavirus hits. Um, he's not over 70. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I know you've got some difficulties with calculating age, as we saw oh. last week. But... I worked out what this is. What What is? Well, because when I last week got the May and the November mixed up, I I did this at work. Are you sure you want I to realized, do this? I, well, I realised because I do I I do everything in football years, so the year for me starts in August. So I just, <laughs> I have August, September, you know, November coming before May. May is when you win the title. May is the end of a year. I do everything in football calendar years. I don't do it in financial year. I don't do it in academic year. I, I don't do it in calendar year. I do everything in football years. I found myself doing actually, work. And I, I instantly remembered the pod and thought, that's what I do. I do understand that. And I kind of automatically apply something. If I'm thinking back to like a memory, I apply it to where it fell in the football season. Well, but, I, but I mean, when you're calculating age, that was poor. You need to own the fact that that was a piss poor mistake you made last week. <laughs> working, working in higher education, my the calendar on my wall is an academic calendar which starts in August. That is my year. No, you're not having it. You were wrong. You, you <laughs> made a big mistake. Uh, no, no, I, I was wrong. I just said I realised why I why I my brain processes November and May like that. Okay. Okay. Um. Can I have that shovel back? Are you finished with it? No, it's fine. I'm happy. <laughs> All right, keep going. Keep going. Um, I can still see your head. Go a bit further. Fabio Quagliarella, though. Kev, you've got to be worried. He's scoring goals. No, he scores two and he doesn't score for three games this season. It's like, uh, it's all right. I'm confident. He's got Roma next, so that's a hat-trick. Um, He's also got to play Bologna, so that's another hat-trick. And then, boom, he's on 15. Job done. Even with your friend Chris at Roma? Surely he'll have him in his pocket. Chris is uh, not having the best of form since the, oh, new, okay. since the new year. Chris is not having the best of times. Since Papu nutmegged him, basically, his whole life has fallen apart. But uh, can we just move on? Because, well, to be honest... I'll- I was just going to say, staying on the Sampdoria and Genoa note, is that's why I don't, I don't think Spal will stay up. Mm. It was less about Spal's victory being a sign that they could, but more that the victory for the two uh, sides from Genoa uh, is probably a sign that they, they will keep themselves above that um, drop zone. If a goal is scored in a stadium where there's nobody present to make a noise... Does the goal really happen? If there's TV cameras, yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Kev there. Okay. Um, because the maybe I was thinking stupid. I was thinking that maybe that's just what happened in Udinese Fiorentina. They finished nil-nil. Maybe there were like 10 goals, but nobody celebrated, oh, so they didn't count them. So I don't care enough to talk about that game. I don't care if it's professional or not. We're not doing it. We're finished. We're not quite finished yet. So I swallow do play Brescia tomorrow night. Sarri is probably going to take a pause for a while. So I don't really know what's going to happen. We'll update you on Twitter. But of course, it is time for the game. 
this is the the real reason the listeners are here. Let's be honest. Uh, the scores as it stands are Vito two, Kev one, and I suppose I'm on nil. Given that I didn't win, I can win if you don't get it within the ninety seconds provided. So it's never going to happen. What's wrong surely with you, Kev? Surely you don't play. You're quiz master. Surely yeah, I know. Don't... But if, if none of you get it, then I, I win. It will be a very bad week if I ever get a point. So okay. I think you got to get this right. But we need to need to just lay the ground rules clear because it was a bit hazy last week. And that is 100% my fault. Um, we have a, a mystery sticker from my Panini sticker album, which you can see here if you're watching on YouTube. Um, so it's a sticker from that. One of the spares. He's not stuck in. And... You guys have to ask me yes or no questions to determine the identity of this player. You get one question each. If the answer is yes or the answer is no, it moves on to the next person immediately. Vito, as the winner of last week's game, you can decide. Do you want to ask the first question or do you want Kev to ask the first question? I can ask the first question. Okay, then. Kev, are you ready? I am ready. Vito, ask the first question when you are ready. Please. Okay. All right. Is this player a Parma player? He is not a Parma player. Did this player play today? Oh, Kev, you've got to wait. I need to look at the fixtures now. Did he did not play today. But his team. Oh, okay. Over okay. to you, Vito. Okay, um, does he play for Atalanta? He does not play for Atalanta. Did his team play today? They did not play today. <laughs> All right, let's go. Is this player a midfielder? He is a midfielder. Kev? Does his team play north of Bologna? They do not play north of Bologna. That's a strange question. 50 seconds. Quickly. It's you, Vito. All right. Ooh. Okay. Midfielder. Okay. Are they from Southern Italy, this club? Are they from or do they play in Southern Italy? I mean, do they play in Southern Italy? They do not play in Southern Italy, no. Okay. Uh, Do they play for Napoli? They don't play for Napoli. (laughs) They don't play in the South. Napoli is Southern. Vito, go. Okay. Is this... Is this player a non-Italian? He is not a non-Italian. He is an Italian player. I mean, 90 seconds are up, but I'm just going to keep this going. (laughs) Kev, go. He's Italian. He doesn't play in the south. He doesn't play further north than Bologna, and he is a midfielder. He plays for Bologna. Is that your question, or is that a fact? Yeah, he plays for Bologna. He does play for Bologna. Vito, go. Italian midfielder. Mm. All right, is it Andrea Poli? It is Andrea Poli, but you don't oh. get a, you don't get a point. Uh. It took more than the ninety seconds, uh. so I get a point. Yeah, you can have it. Which is very <laughs> poor. So the, the final, the score after this round is Vito Doria two, Kev Pogzalski one, and the quizmaster one. Kev, that's poor from you. You need to get the finger out now for next week. 
Yeah. Oh, next okay. week is next difficult as well. I've already identified who it is, so start reading up about your Italian squad players. So what's next week? Is next week a five-minute pod where we just play the game? Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> we could do it on Instagram. Record the video and just post it on Instagram every week. Hashtag we content. Um, right, <laughs> that's it. Have you guys got anything else to say? Uh, no, I hope you, your coronavirus gets better soon. My coronavirus has already come and gone. I, I suffered <laughs> in, in January. Your patient zero. I think I might be. How I about might... those drinks, Connor? What drinks? At the bar or the pub in, uh, in uh, Parma that has the coronavirus cocktail and it's special of the <laughs> weeks. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Um, Canale del Navilio or whatever it's called. If you're in Parma, go there. It's a really nice bar. And they had the cocktail called the coronavirus cocktail and called it the, the cocktail of the weeks because this is a, a shambles that's going to run for quite some time which at first I thought it was just end the poor English but then I got speaking to the barman and we shifted from Italian to English after a while so it's not because of poor English they've done it as a deliberate joke which is very very good um thanks for reminding me about that I need to try one of those cocktails if the bar is still open I venture over there tomorrow evening and see what's happening but we don't know when we're going to speak again guys so Vito have you got a message to our listeners uh, just, yeah, enjoy yourself, stay safe, um, have a look on the Forza Italian Football website. I'm sure we'll come up with other content. Otherwise, we're on social media and maybe during this time off, I might just put random stuff on Instagram. Who knows? Or I might even try and get into TikTok because I've got to see what the fuck No, is don't, that. don't. You'll no? be watched. Every oh, movie really? you make will be Ooh. watched. Don't do it. All right, no. I'll stick to Instagram. Um, yeah, because yeah, because Facebook have a great reputation. Um, what was I gonna say? Vito actually has a feature going up this week at some point, uh, depending on how mad Tuesday is. It should go up on Wednesday, but we'll take it as it comes. Kev, have you got a message for our lovely listeners? Uh, yes. If uh, alcohol-based hand wash sanitizer is the answer to coronavirus, then alcohol must be too. So go and enjoy yourselves, people. <laughs> just like connor is yes um well i've taken it that uh, puglia doesn't have very many cases peroni is made in puglia so alcohol and the south seems to be the perfect combination to to stay safe so i'm putting those two things together thanks for listening everybody if somebody wants this andrea poli sticker get in touch on twitter I might send it to you and <laughs> everything that that entails. Post office is going to be closed. You'll get it in about September. But yeah, bye. <laughs> bye bye. Ciao, ciao. Portaci dove vuoi, verso le tue conquiste, dove tu arriverai, 
curva in festa come un abbraccio noi e ancora non ci basta ogni pagina nuova sai sarà ancora la storia di tutti noi solo chi corre può fare di te quello che sei Messing about, Kev. Yeah, I'm technical difficulties. Nice of you to wait until we started recording to start messing about the lighting in your room. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 